0: Greetings, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis. In Lesson 21, we will be considering Baptist Catechism Question 25, which asks, How did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? And uh, this is a very natural question to ask, following Question 24, Who is the Redeemer of God's elect? And there we learn that the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the eternal Son of God, became man And so was and continueth to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. So that was a very important question and answer there as um, we, with the help of our catechism, identified the Redeemer of God's elect. But here, the follow-up question, question 25, is how did this happen? How did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? And the answer given by our catechism is that Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body, and a reasonable soul, being conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and born of her, yet without sin. And so here we have a description of uh, the Incarnation and how it was that the Incarnation was brought about. As is our custom, I would like to go phrase by phrase and to explain uh, this answer uh, little by little until we understand it Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul, is what our catechism teaches. Uh, This means that the eternal Son of God took to himself a true and human nature. Uh, He had a true body. This is what Hebrews 2.14 teaches. uh, For example, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And uh, so here we are taught, and in many other places, that uh, the eternal Son of God took to himself a true body. Uh, He shared in our flesh and blood. Uh, He took upon himself the same Kind of body that you and I have, a human body. He also had a reasonable soul, our catechism teaches. He took to himself a reasonable soul. Uh, so notice briefly before I read a few texts that speak to this, uh, these are the two parts of man. These are the two parts of human nature. We have a body, we have a soul, a reasonable soul. And here our catechism is teaching that the eternal Son of God took both of these things uh, to himself. Uh, Matthew twenty six thirty eight speaks to the soul of Christ, the eternal son of God come in the flesh. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me, is what Christ said to his disciples as he went to pray in Gethsemane. And then in Luke two fifty two, we read that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, I think here we are um, given an insight into uh, the natural growth process experienced by the Christ. He had a true human body and a true human uh, soul. He increased even in wisdom in his humanity. Not, of course, in his divinity, but in his humanity. And then in John twelve twenty seven, we read, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose, I have come to this hour Uh, But for this purpose, I have come uh, to this hour again. Jesus, facing death, spoke of his soul being troubled, uh, his soul being in agony. Uh, And and so truly, we are to think of Christ, the God-man, as being truly man, having a true body, the same kind of uh, flesh and blood as you and I have, and also a true soul, a human soul. God does not have a soul. He is a most pure spirit, remember, but humans have souls, and Christ had a soul. Uh, One interesting question that we might ask is, from where did the personhood of Christ come? Uh, We are being taught here in this passage that the person of Jesus Christ was and is both God and man, both divine and human. He has both of these natures united within himself without mixture, without composition. So in Christ, there is one person, but two natures. Where did the personhood of Christ come from? Uh, did it come from his humanity or from his divinity? And I think it is important for us to confess that the personhood of Christ was derived from his divinity. And I think that is, in fact, what our catechism and our confession suggest saying Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and reasonable soul. So it is the Son of God who existed prior, uh, and it is the Son of God, the, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who took upon himself uh, humanity, a true body, and a reasonable soul. So the personhood of Christ was derived from uh, the, the divine Matthew 1, 23 might be cited here. Truly, Jesus Christ was and is Emmanuel. That is what we learn here. He is God with us. Behold, the text says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In this sense, God was with us in the person of Christ and according to the divine nature that took on humanity. Uh, Next, our catechism says that Christ was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary and born of her. Uh, this is what the scriptures plainly teach. Uh, Luke 1.31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This was the announcement of the angel to Mary. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then in verse 35 of the same chapter, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child... To be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Mary had the same question that we are attempting to answer in this catechism question. How, how can these things be? Um, we are here a- asking the question, how did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? Mary, at one point, asked the same question. How will these things be? And this was the answer given to her, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, power of the Most High would overshadow her, and therefore, the end result would be that the child born to her would be called Holy, the Son of God. He was the Son of Mary. He came from her womb, and yet he was not conceived in the ordinary manner. He did not come from Adam's seed from, through, um, through Joseph, uh, but was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And our confession says what the Scriptures say, and is very careful to qualify that yet he was without sin, He was without sin. And I think this does have to do with how he came into existence. There is something about that here at play. Uh, he was not conceived through the ordinary process of procreation. Uh, so perhaps that that transmission of uh, guilt was broken, that transmission of, of of corruption was broken as the Holy Spirit conceived. Uh, Christ in the womb of, of Mary. Um, but here it is important for us to recognize that Christ, uh, though he has shared in our humanity, though he has a true body and a reasonable soul just as we have, he does not share this with us, that is to say, sin, nor a sin nature Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. So up to this point, here is what is emphasized in Hebrews 4.15, that Christ knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to suffer in the flesh. He knows what it is to suffer according to the soul. But the last three words of this verse are very important. They say, Yet without sin. And so again, the writer to the Hebrews is very careful to clarify. Uh, Christ was truly human. He suffered as we do, and therefore he can sympathize with our weaknesses. But he, he was without sin all the days of his life. He was not conceived in sin, nor did he commit his own sin as we do. And then in Hebrews 7, 26, we read, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest holy Innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Uh, Here we have uh, this emphasis upon the purity of Christ, who is the eternal Son of God, come in the flesh. Now, we should remember that we are in the middle of a section which runs from question 23 through 31 in our catechism that is all about our redemption in Christ. And uh, here we are beginning that section by asking the question, really, who is the Redeemer? Uh, we have identified him as Christ, Jesus our Lord? well what is he? Who is he? What is he like? Uh, that is the question we are answering here. And I would encourage you uh, to go in and to read chapter eight of our confession of faith uh, as we continue on in this section of our Catechism. Uh, Chapter 8 of our confession really does correspond to questions 23 through 31 of our catechism. They're very good to read side by side. Our confession is more in-depth and theological. Uh, Our catechism is meant to be memorized so that we could really um, lay a hold of these truths and make them our own. But as you read our catechism and confession, I would... Encourage you to stand in awe of god 's plan of redemption and to to marvel at it uh, god 's plan of redemption is truly marvellous. Uh, man fell into sin well how how could this creature be redeemed then? Uh, well, he cannot be redeemed by another man uh, for all are in sin, and so a sinner cannot pay for the sins of other sinners but only for his own sin and so Um, We see that there was a need for someone greater to come, a a Redeemer who was not held back by his own sins, thus uh, Christ, the Son of God. Uh, But at the same time, it was necessary that um, in order to redeem humanity, that a human do it. Uh, It was necessary in order to atone for the sins of uh, fallen creatures such as you and me, that that um, that the Christ assume uh, that which he came to atone for and redeem, namely humanity. Friends, there is obviously so much more that could be said on this subject. Um, and indeed, uh, the incarnation is a very awesome and mysterious thing, uh, but this will have to suffice for today. Until next time, brothers and sisters, abide in Christ.